you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, fully vaccinated, boosted, and still dodging variants like Neo in The Matrix. We are almost through week 16, which means for a lot of you, you are just mere hours away from a, moving on to your championship game. So congratulations in advance to those of you who make it. Uh, condolences to those of you who miss out. But we got plenty to talk about to help you get there and maybe uh, you know, kind of help you figure out where things went wrong. But of course, got to mention that we are joined as always by producer Justin and the specialist, a cast of dozens that help us put this thing together and joined on screen by my pal Michael F. Florio, who uh, I know you had a good, we talked about Christmas because we saw each other on Sunday. We basically did a televised version of this show uh, on Sunday uh, on uh, Fantasy Game Day. But uh, how are you looking playoff wise? Are you are you on your way to some championship matchups? I am. Uh, I, I made it in my league of record, which is uh, most important to me. But then uh, I've made three championships. Uh, I had four teams alive coming into this weekend. Three of them survived. So uh, Feeling pretty good about that. And uh, just, you know, normally, Marcus, this would be it. Like, we would have been crowned champions already. So one more week to go. One more week, hopefully, uh, can keep it going. Yeah, man. It, it, uh, it, this is when you start to feel the longest season ever, when you realize that, you know, <laughs> normally this would have been the end. But uh, it's it's not. We've got one more week of fantasy. We've got two more weeks of actual regular season football to be played. Uh, I am down to one possible championship uh, left uh, it was the playoffs have not been kind to me. I'll say that. But uh, if I can get a decent number out of Miles Gaskin tonight against the Saints, uh, then I very well could be uh, in a championship situation next week. So we'll see how that goes. We'll talk about the Monday Night Football game a little bit later on. But uh, we do have a lot of stuff coming up. We are forecasting what 2022 could mean for a handful of injured stars. We are giving you some streaming options for Week 17 because that doesn't stop. And as I mentioned, uh, we will take a look at the Dolphins and Saints on Monday Night Football. But 
Let's get started, as we always do, with some fantasy headlines. And these are all pretty much injury-related, and they're pretty much all running back-related as well. We will start in Jacksonville with uh, the really tough, unfortunate news about James Robinson. Uh, we were so excited about him, especially after the departure of Urban Meyer, was really getting back into things, but then suffered a torn Achilles against the Jets. He is officially done for the season. Now, Dari Ogunbowale was the guy who stepped in and got a lot of the work in that game yesterday, but for fantasy purposes does this mean we are officially done with the Jaguars for fantasy in 2021 yeah yeah like James Robinson was kind of the saving grace there they've had two good matchups in back-to-back weeks against poor defenses Trevor Lawrence hasn't been able to take advantage of it the receivers really haven't been able to take advantage of it so maybe Dare Ogumbawale in a deeper format but for a championship, I would not want to be starting any Jaguars unless I'm desperate. Well, especially because, I mean, next week they're playing the Patriots, too. Uh, you know, and I know yeah. the has, they've lost back-to-back games, but they've lost back-to-back games against good teams. The Jaguars are not a good team. I don't want any part of, of any Jacksonville player. So uh, I think we say goodbye to them for 2021, and, uh, you know, we turn the page to 2022. In Philadelphia, Miles Sanders left the game against the Giants on Sunday with a hand injury. Turns out he has fractured a bone in his hand. Is expected to have an MRI on Monday to determine the severity of it, but I would be very surprised if he's on the field for Philly this week against Washington. So in that case, where do we pivot in the Eagles' backfield, Florio? I think Jordan Howard would be my preferred option there of the Eagles' running backs. Look, Yesterday, when Miles Sanders went out, we did see them split, but we saw Miles Sanders get a little bit more of the snaps, 35%. Uh, He had four targets, which I love to see, nine carries. I know Boston Scott scored the touchdown, but I think that Jordan Howard would get goal line carries. But So he would be my preferred ad, but Marcus, in the waiver wire article, I said both of them are kind of in play as flex options. And whichever one has the better day might come down to whichever one scores the touchdown. So I think we get two options here, but my preferred would be Jordan Howard. So I'll go slightly the other way and, and say Boston Scott, although I think it's it's pretty close with both of them. As you mentioned, Jordan Howard may be more likely to get those goal line opportunities, but Scott... Uh, actually had more carries yesterday, had more yards, and as you mentioned, he had the touchdown there. Was surprised to not see him involved in the passing game. Usually he can get a few targets in there as well. So maybe that happens next week if Miles Sanders isn't able to go. But uh, considering what the Washington football team put on film yesterday, you have to at least like the matchup. Hopefully there are no uh, Washington players fighting with each other on the sidelines. But either way, uh, I guess if you're really in a pinch, you need a flex option. Jordan Howard... Boston Scott both out there. I would imagine they are both pretty heavily available on waiver wires. So uh, something to keep in mind when you're building your lineup for week 17. In Kansas City, the Chiefs got a huge win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Congratulations to them. They are once again champions of the AFC West and uh, still potentially hunting that one seed in the AFC. Uh, But... It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire suffering a collarbone injury. Now, the x-rays were negative on Sunday night. He's expected to have an MRI on Monday, uh, but presuming he's not going to be able to go, is it as simple as saying it's just now Daryl Williams' season? It, it is. And, you know, as someone, like I, I said, I made it in my league of record, I have both of the Chiefs running backs. I'm hoping that CEH just sits because – it's been better for fantasy when one of these running backs is out. When Since we've seen them come back, we've seen a committee. And I know like 
it, people yesterday were like, oh, well, CEH got hurt. That's why we saw so much Darrell Williams. No, we were seeing Darrell Williams before Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt. We only started to see Gore after he got hurt. But before that, Williams had more snaps. He had more touches. He had more targets. All of that. And he got the first crack at the goal line work before CH came in and had that really impressive touchdown run. So we've seen it before. Like, Darrell Williams is a really good backup that when he has to start, he can. he's a high-end RB2 that gives you potentially RB1 upside. So I'm hoping CH sits. Darrell Williams is a is a very strong option if CH sits next week. Well, and I, I like your point that it, it is better off for fantasy if we just have one of them, especially next week. They've got the Bengals in what just pure football-wise should be a great matchup with two teams that are playing really good football, trying to improve their seed uh, potentially for the playoffs there. So uh, you, you got to love that one there. But you're right, having them split opportunities against the defense in Cincinnati that's played pretty well the last few weeks, uh, it just seems like a bad deal. So not that we're wishing any ill on Clyde Edward Lair, but for us, if we just know that it's one guy, I think we can feel better about it. Whether it's you know whether it's Williams or Edward Lair, we just want one. That's all we want. Eric Bieniemy, uh, Andy Reid, if you're listening out there, we know you are. Um, please just just gift us that for uh, for New Year's. That's really kind of all we're asking for. Um, so we sit here talking about injuries and how they're going to impact uh, the rest of the 2021 fantasy season. There have been obviously a number of big time injuries uh, that could have an impact on draft position when we get to 2022. So I just wanted to pick on a few of them uh, and, and we'll kick around where we think they're going to go. Obviously, it is, you know, late December. We are still months and months away from drafts being started here. And there's a lot that's going to happen. But very curious about what you think about, say, some of these guys uh, for next year. So the first one uh christian mccaffrey who is out for this year and it makes two years in a row though where he has suffered injuries that have kept him off the field for a very long time we know when he's healthy what he can be and what he can do but now i think the questions of can he stay healthy for 16 games 17 games uh start to become really really relevant so that being said if we're drafting right now where are you taking mccaffrey I, I originally was thinking he would go late first, early second round, but then every other running back got hurt as well, besides really Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor. So I'm starting to think Christian McCaffrey goes as like a middle of the first round pick. I, I think JT and Eckler will definitely go ahead of him. Mixon is someone I'm starting to see get a lot of top five love. I think uh, like Najee Harris, Derek Henry, those guys will be in the, the conversation. Dalvin Cook. But you look at it, Dalvin Cook's missed a lot of time, and his production has kind of come to a halt a little bit. Kamara hasn't been the same, and he's missed time. So I think CMC, who is still the safest bet to score 25 fantasy points in any given week when healthy, in my opinion, I think he'll be a middle-of-the-first-round pick, maybe someone you get at, like, fifth, sixth, seventh overall in that range. So I, I wrote down late first round, but listening to you talk is sort of kind of convinced me that maybe I, I bump him up to the middle of the first round because I'm thinking you know Derrick Henry is certainly going to be there as you mentioned Austin Eckler is going to be there Jonathan Taylor uh, I mean Taylor may be the the number one pick with with Henry and Eckler somewhere in there um, and so maybe we are talking about Christian McCaffrey somewhere at five or something like that I'm trying to think of who we maybe you put Dalvin Cook slightly ahead of him um, but you know Saquon's going to drop out Ezekiel Elliott is going to drop out there are a lot of these guys that we're not going to talk about uh, as first round picks or at least not very high in the first round. So McCaffrey probably ends up in that conversation by default. But you know the argument is going to be, well, can he stay healthy? And after the last two years, uh, it is certainly a valid criticism. But again, as you mentioned, uh, 
a guy who, when he's right, you can almost pencil in 25 fantasy points per game. So that makes it uh, really hard to ignore him that early in the first round. All right. Let's go over to James Robinson, who we just mentioned uh, is done for the rest of the season with an Achilles tear. I think he's in an interesting situation because, one, he obviously is going to be rehabbing pretty much all offseason long to get ready for training camp. But there's also the expected return of Travis Etienne. We didn't see him at all because of his injury that happened in the preseason. So it's going to be kind of a, an interesting situation. Throw in the fact that the Jaguars are going to have a new head coach next year. And what are we looking at for James Robinson? Yeah, I think because of all the reasons you said that the injury is, is he going to be ready in time for the start of the year? I mean, torn Achilles used to be a full season, a full year. Now, I mean, we're seeing Cam Akers come back from it already six months later. So maybe he is ready for the start of the year, but I think that'll be a big question all summer long. Then there's Travis Etienne, who's going to be running the offense. What is the offense going to look like? Because it was brutal this year. I think with all of those question marks, I'm thinking around the fifth round, someone that you can get is like an RB2 or a flex option because that is the RB dead zone as it's grown to be called, Marcus. <laughs> but uh, I-, I think he'll slide into that. Like the first three or four rounds, I think uh, you'll be you'll be targeting running backs early, maybe some receivers. And then when you're looking like, do I want an RB3? Maybe you waited on your running back. I think that is the area where James Robinson will land this year. So I, I may be a little optimistic on this one. I've got him as a third, fourth round pick, but you're right. So much, so much of it depends, one, for me, on the rehab process. And, and if we get to June or July and there's really legitimate talk of James Robinson being ready to go, then I think I feel better about it. I, I, I mean, I kind of worry about his role in the offense with ATN and whoever the new head coach is, but I think what he has done the last two seasons really merits that he's going to get a pretty good workload regardless of who's running the offense there. So for me, it's just the biggest thing about rehab. I say third or fourth round, but again, that could be really optimistic if we're getting to the summer and it looks like he's still a couple of months away and then maybe he's going to miss some preseason games or maybe even the first regular season game, then I think that changes dramatically. Dramatically, but um, I mean, he's a good player. I, I've enjoyed watching him play. I've liked his production, and hopefully, uh, he's able to come back from this Achilles injury. The other part of it is too, I guess, to, to note. Uh, a lot of people have pointed out Achilles injuries tend to be killers for running backs. Uh, we'll see if Cam Akers is able to rebound from it. We'll see what happens with James Robinson. But uh, I want to, I want the best for him. I do. It's been a rough couple years for James Robinson, a guy who came out of nowhere, and uh, hopefully things get better. Last one. And this one is, is really interesting because I, 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 mind you, I'm the one who builds the rundown and I'm the one who puts the names in. And I still had no <laughs> idea where to slot this guy. But Michael Thomas, who we have barely seen in the last two seasons, uh, really you know, didn't see him this year. Don't know where he's going to be next year, if he's back in New Orleans, if he goes somewhere else. But we know that when he's healthy, what he can do and how productive he can be. There are just so many unknowns with Michael Thomas. Where are we pegging him for next year? This was by far the hardest one for me to figure out. I I haven't pegged right now for a fifth rounder because that's typically is when people start to target like high like upside receivers and there's gonna be you know a lot of talk about well look at what Michael Thomas did two years ago he was the best wide receiver in football yeah we haven't seen him since but we know his upside I agree with you so much of it is is he playing for the Saints and if he is who's the quarterback is it Taysom Hill Jameis Winston someone else is he gone 
I think he is going to be one of the more polarizing players of the draft season, Marcus, because it's easy to sell to paint the story of how great he could be. It's also easy to paint a story of like, look what's happened in the last two years and how disastrous it could be. So I don't think he'll be like a, you know, a, a top four round pick. But I think once we get into like the fifth round or so, people are going to start talking themselves into his upside. I again, I guess because I'm nervous. The, the one thing or one of the things that, that fantasy drafters like. It's very similar to you know stock market investors. We want stability. We, we don't like uncertainty. And right now, Michael Thomas comes with a ton of uncertainty. So I've got him somewhere between the seventh and the ninth rounds just because we have zero idea of what is going to happen, of what to expect. Uh, I would imagine there are people who maybe feel a little bit more confident, who may reach for him a little bit earlier. There may be people who just completely back away from him and say, I'm not drafting him at all because there's too much unknown there. But he really is one of the bigger wild cards, I think, when it comes to fantasy draft season next year. And, and obviously, we're going to learn a lot more between now and, say, you know, April or May, between you know, free agency, the draft, and, and all the things that kind of come with the offseason but Michael Thomas is going to be really really hard to peg and you know he could have a bounce back season and somebody could end up with a huge value uh it could end up like Allen Robinson this year and you're kicking yourself for even you know approaching something like that so uh we'll see there'll be more of this there'll be more conversations like this there'll be more players I'm sure that we are trying to uh figure out but again it's December we got a long way before we gotta have any hard and fast answers about that uh, that gets us to another edition of Things We Learned. It's uh, our opportunity to talk about what we saw over the weekend. Usually I say on Sunday, but uh, we had Saturday games. We even had a Thursday game. But what we have seen so far in Week 16 and how we can uh, use this going forward, even if there is just one more week of the fantasy season. Uh, so for you, what have you seen the last few days that has uh, impacted your thoughts a little bit? Unfortunately, it is uh, our boy, everyone's favorite waiver wire pickup this year, Cordero Patterson. He's uh he's come back down to life to earth, whatever the uh, the saying is. But uh, it, it's it's been a little bit of a rough go for Cordero Patterson as of late. The thing is, early on in the year, we loved him because of how he was being used. They were using him as a receiver at times, as a running back. He was good for at least five targets every game. In his last six weeks, five targets is his high. He has two targets in the last two games and three or fewer in four of his last six. Single digits in two straight games because he's really just getting carries now. If you're not catching passes and you're on a team like the Falcons who doesn't score a bunch of touchdowns, it's hard to get those 20-point games that way. So he's kind of the last few weeks been like a, a, a safe floor type of player. And then the last two, the floor's kind of bottomed out. So I, I know there's only one week left. He gets the Bills next week. The Bills have been ran on, but I, I don't know if I love the Falcons' chances of doing so. I, I think just... On volume alone, you probably still have to start Patterson, but the days of him being an RB1, I think, are behind us. It's just, it's, you know, they were so good at using him, right? We, we had praised the Falcons for figuring out how to unlock Cordero Patterson, uh, and now they, they seem to can't figure it out again. I don't know what happened, but uh, definitely disappointing for somebody who gave you so much uh, for most of the year to kind of see it fade away when you need it to, when you really need it the most uh, at the end of the season. For me... It said Mark Andrews seems to be quarterback proof in Baltimore. Um, he is the tight end one overall, and he's actually putting some space between himself and Travis Kelsey right now. Obviously, it, it helps that Kelsey did not play in week 16 as he was on the COVID list. But you go back over the last few weeks for Mark Andrews, and he's given you uh, 20 points, 35 points, 26 points. 
it's been a huge run for him, and he's done it with a combination of a little bit of Lamar Jackson, some Tyler Huntley, and then did it on Sunday with Josh Johnson at quarterback. So some of this has to do with the fact that Baltimore can't find any consistency in their pass catchers. Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown are up and down. You just never know week to week which version of them is going to show up. Mark Andrews has been steady. He has been constant. He has been a security blanket for whoever is throwing the football there in Baltimore. And I think there's going to be real talk about whether or not he gets drafted ahead of Kelsey. We've talked about Kelsey uh, not going in the first round. I think that's pretty much a done deal that, that Travis Kelsey is not going to be a first round pick. And there probably won't be any tight ends who are a first round pick. But I'll ask you, are, are we ready to make the pivot and make Mark Andrews the first tight end off the board in 2022? I, I was actually just thinking about this this morning, and I think so. Like, Travis Kelsey's going to be 33. George Kittle's really good, but there's a lot of options around him, and, and he's been banged up. Waller's coming off of a down year. I think we're seeing a changing at the guard, and I think next year we'll see Mark Andrews as the first tight end off the board. Yeah, I do think it's going to be a real interesting conversation. I think what's going to happen is it will be uh, the folks like us, the analysts, the Sharps, uh, the degenerates who do this all the time, who will go after Mark Andrews as the tight end one. I think when you get a lot of the casual folks who come in a little bit later in the season, I think that muscle memory still keeps Travis Kelsey near the top of that list. But uh, I think that the tide is turning on who uh, the top tight end is going to be. It was a rough day for the Baltimore Ravens uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, but uh, Mark Andrews still found a way to, to get it done. Speaking of the Bengals, we'll take a break, but did Joe Burrow's big day move him up the dynasty quarterback rankings? We dive into the Tiger King's career game when the NFL Fantasy Football Show returns. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Taking a look at the top 16, or the week 16 top performers. That's what I'm going for here. Some of the notable names on that list. Joe Burrow with just a bananas day. 38.1 fantasy points. No shock. He's your QB1. Josh Allen, the QB3 with 30.96 fantasy points for the Bills and their big win over the Patriots. Justin Jackson, your RB1, 34.2 points. Could have been a touch higher. Uh, had he not fumbled the football. Rex Burkhead, hashtag Rex in the flex. If you did that, you feel good. He's your RB3, 28.9. Damian Harris, just behind him, RB4, 28.3 fantasy points. T. Higgins with a nuclear type day, 43.4 points. He is your wide receiver one. A.J. Brown going back to Thursday night with the Titans beating the 49ers. 31.5 points makes him the wide receiver three. Your wide receiver four, kind of a surprise. Isaiah McKenzie, 29.4 fantasy points. Mark Andrews, your tight end one at 26 and a half. Kyle Pitts, who we all thought would have a good day. He did 16.2 fantasy points. That makes him your tight end four. But let's go back to the Tiger King, Joe Burrow, the fourth most passing yards in a single game in NFL history, which, by the way, side note, the fact that Norm Van Brocklin, who has the record, that record has stood for 70 years. He did it in 1951. 
thinking of the game then versus the game now, the fact that somebody could throw for 554 yards uh, in 1951 just seems mind-boggling. But for Joe Burrow, a huge day, 525 for him and a big win over the Ravens. Let's look at, at next year, right? Let's look at dynasty quarterbacks because, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, was a, was a guy that everybody had high. Obviously, this year has not been great. Joe Burrow coming back off the knee injury has been really, really good at times this year. Um, is he a top three dynasty quarterback heading into next year? It, it, does he belong higher? Is he maybe even the number one dynasty quarterback? Not, not for me. He is not in my top three. Uh-huh. I, I think Joe Burrow kind of gets viewed as like a young quarterback because he's only in his second year in the NFL, but he's 25 years old. He's around the same age as Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. He's older than Lamar and Kyler Murray uh, and Justin Herbert. I would have all five of those guys ahead of him. I think Joe Burrow then is the sixth quarterback for dynasty purposes, but it's just, it's nothing against Joe Burrow. He's really good. The pieces around him are really good. His offense is really good. He doesn't run, though, and those other guys can all give you points with their legs. They're all uh, strong-arm quarterbacks and high-powered offenses as well. So for me, I think after, like, you could put those six in any order. I think after them, there's a big drop-off. But for me, I would have those other quarterbacks of similar age ahead of Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I, I hadn't even thought about the 25-year-old thing because, uh, you know, and the fact that he is the same age as Patrick Mahomes, who's been doing it for a handful of years now. Lamar Jackson, same thing, who already has uh, an MVP award under his belt. Um, hey, maybe it is. Maybe it's being a prisoner of the moment and seeing what Joe Burrow did on Sunday. He does have some good pieces around him, though, right, with T. Higgins, uh, oh, yeah. Mark Chase. Uh, there's a lot to like about this offense, but maybe you're right in terms of of where he is age wise and the fact that he doesn't run quite as much as some of those other guys. Uh, I think I think does kind of maybe keep him out of the top three. Um, you know, we'll definitely talk some dynasty stuff in the offseason because I think that's going to be an interesting conversation there. Uh, is Jalen Hurts in there? Uh, I just feel like I feel like because his his status in Philadelphia is so uncertain that it's hard to put him in that list. I didn't even consider him, but if he's the starter. I think he. Ha- I think the reason we're holding Jalen Hurts back is because we're not convinced he's the long-term starter there. But if he <laughs> is, he's definitely in that group. And and Marcus, speaking of dynasty and and even just drafts next year, Jamar Chase versus T. Higgins is going to be, I-, I think, one Ooh. of the bigger arguments that we have all summer long. Yeah, I think it really will be. Um, that's going to be interesting to see because both those guys, I think, will end up probably second third round i think in a lot of drafts but it's just going to be a question of which one you take first and uh you know we're going to battle that one for for months i think uh kyle pitts had a good day yesterday you mentioned just uh, over 16 fantasy points there one of his bigger days of the year so this is the thing i know you and i have sort of talked about but not at any real length how would you rate his fantasy season because statistically uh, he's doing things that no rookie tight end has ever done but we look at it we're kind of like yeah, I mean, we a few weeks ago we were like, is he even startable anymore? Um, how would you rate this season? Uh, originally, like a couple weeks ago, I was calling Kyle Pitts a bust, but then I looked into his numbers last week after he made the Pro Bowl, and I had to reassess because Kyle Pitts is doing exactly what we said he was going to do. We said he was going to be the best rookie fantasy tight end in quite some time. He's all forget even yesterday. Coming into week 16, he had already set the record for rookie tight end receiving yards since 2010. He had a chance to break uh, 
to break a thousand yard season and to break the fantasy rookie record uh, in that span as well with a couple of good games. And that's exactly what he had yesterday. So he's a top 10 tight end when it comes to points per game. He's top 10 in total points. Maybe he's not the top three or top five tight end that we all were hoping he could be, but that's on us. That's not a Kyle Pitts, uh, Pitts miss. That's a us miss. So I think Kyle Pitts is doing exactly what we all thought he would be. He's the best rookie tight end we've seen in quite some time, and I'm really excited to draft him next year. I just think our expectations were a little too high this year. It is, you know, uh, for the time being, I guess, calling it Clyde Edwards-Alaire syndrome. Um, you know, we're, we're, we put our expectations to the moon and when a guy falls short of that, then suddenly we're like, well, maybe is he bust? Well, no, not really. Uh, Kyle Pitts is third among tight ends currently in receiving yards. He is, I believe, sixth in receptions. The only thing he hasn't done this year is score touchdowns. He has just one touchdown all year. But, I mean, you know, I always like to say touchdowns are fickle beasts, right? It, it's hard to predict when they're going to come, where they're going to come. That's a thing that as long as he's continuing to get the target volume that he is, the touchdowns will be there, whether it's you know at the end of this year, whether it's going into next year, that part's going to come. But uh, he has had that kind of production, and he's done it primarily as a wide receiver. I mean, I know he's listed as a tight end, but they have lined him up more as a wide receiver than anything else, and especially uh, since Calvin Ridley has been away from the team, uh, there's been a heavy reliance on him. So uh, I, I think it is one of those things where when you step back, and you look at what he has done, I think you realize it has not been a bad season. It's been a pretty good season for Kyle Pitts. And, you know, the expectation is that he will continue to improve, that he's only going to get better, uh, and that, uh, you know, the production will rise accordingly. So uh, he's another one that, that is going to move up the ranks. I thought, you know, when we drafted next year, we'd be talking about him uh, knocking on the door of the elites, and he might already be there. So uh, we may have the big three moving to the big four or five next year, depending on uh, on where you are drafting Kyle Pitts. Uh, all right, those are the guys who made us happy. How about the guys who made us a little bit unhappy on Sunday, or at least in week 16, with a round of I'm Salty. Uh, who was uh, the biggest disappointment for you on the verge of championship week? Keenan? Allen and and I know multiple people who lost and they were like I lost because of Keenan Allen and it's hard to blame them I mean Keenan Allen came into this game going up against the Houston Texans in a game where there was no Mike Williams no Jalen Guyton they were clearly no Austin Eckler clearly shorthanded you expected a lot of volume to go Keenan Allen's way and then they fell behind and you were like even better a game script it's a positive game script for Keenan Allen they'll throw a bunch his way six targets a season low four catches he only had 35 scrimmage yards a season low 7.5 fantasy points he had had double digits in every other game except for this one so he saved his worst game of the year for when you all needed it most and uh he if you have Keenan Allen and you advance to the championship, good luck, because I know a lot of people did not. Well, I'm going to stick with a guy who also wears blue and yellow and plays his home games at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, it's Matthew Stafford, who went on the road to Minnesota in what looked like a great matchup. I mean, we were so excited about what Cooper Cup was going to do, and it just felt like, well, if Cooper Cup's having a big game, then Matthew Stafford's probably going to have a big game. Instead, fewer than 200 passing yards, three interceptions, 6.6 fantasy points, by far his lowest output of the season. And again, a situation where it seemed like a good matchup and it seemed like he was ready to prosper, just could not 
really get anything going consistently. The Rams did get a win, um, but it wasn't pretty. And uh, it really had very little to do with Matthew Stafford and his performance there. So uh, another frustrating one, especially if you were starting him, uh, if you were in a 2QB league, even just a regular one-quarterback league, uh, this is one that let you down. Hopefully you were able to survive with some performances elsewhere, uh, but otherwise it was a really, really poor outing fantasy-wise for Matthew Stafford in that one in Week 16. If you watch the show regularly, which I hope you do, you know what I'm about to say right now. Follow us on TikTok at NFL Fantasy. I know the season's almost over. Doesn't matter. You know, fantasy never sleeps. We're year round. So we're going to keep TikToking uh, like a clock. TikTok, TikTok, all year round. I- is that why they call it TikTok? Because it just never stopped. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you follow us <laughs> at NFL Fantasy. You can follow me at Marcus Grant. Uh, I've kind of taken a short hiatus, but I'll be back. I promise you. I'm going to start doing more fun stuff again uh, in the very near future. Some of it may be even fantasy football related. All right. Uh, it is week 17, and people are still building lineups, and you may be dealing with COVID issues like NFL teams. You may be dealing with NF- uh, with injury issues like NFL teams, in which case you might be looking to stream somebody. So we looked at the quarterback, tight end, and defensive stream options for you heading into week 17. Uh, Florio, quarterback, where should folks consider? I think Tua Tungavailoa is a solid streaming option. And look, next week is rough for streaming quarterbacks because all the matchups that we like to attack, the elite quarterbacks seem to be in those matchups, and those guys aren't available out there. But Tua is available in over about half of the NFL.com leagues as well. He hasn't shown us a, a... huge ceiling since earlier in the season but he's a pretty safe floor he could get you over 15 fantasy points in a game and the titans are in the top 10 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks i know they've been playing better as of late but on the year they're still uh in the top 10 and this is just like hey if you're going a little bit deeper at quarterback i think he is a safe floor type of play so someone that you could get in he won't win you the week but he also won't lose you the week so this one might be a little bit weird, but I'm going to go with Jared Goff. I know he's an easy punchline when we talk about quarterbacks, especially fantasy quarterbacks, but he's given you 19 or more points in two of the last three games he played. Obviously missed Sunday's game uh, as he was on the COVID list. So this is with an asterisk if he is healthy and ready to go. But he's got Seattle, and the Seahawks have given up some big yards and big fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. Plus, look, he is at least familiar with this Seattle defense. Having spent uh, the start of his career with the Rams, he played the Seahawks twice a year. So he at least has an understanding of sort of how this defense operates uh, and throwing the fact that I'm on Ross St. Brown has been on fire for the last month. Uh, this could be an interesting streaming play, especially if you're going DFS wise. You just want to be contrarian. Maybe uh, Jared Goff is the way to go. All right. Over to tight end, which is always a big one. People, everybody's pretty much streaming tight ends all year long. Where should folks go in week 17? I felt better about this answer before last night's game, but I still think Ricky Seals-Jones is in play as a streaming option because he gets the Eagles next week. I mean, the Eagles give up the most fantasy points. They're in the top three in yards, catches, touchdowns, all allowed to tight ends. Even Evan Ingram scored a touchdown against them. The only thing I don't love is last night, Jonathan Bates, was uh, he played more snaps and saw more targets than Ricky Seals-Jones, but... I'm thinking that might be because they were down a billion points like after the opening uh, <laughs> possession. But last week against the Eagles, we saw RSJ get seven targets. So I think if you're going a little bit deeper at tight end, he's a name for you. But I will fully say, Marcus, I like your streaming option even better. 
Yeah, first of all, you mentioned Evan Ingram. He had 11 point, uh, what, 11.7 points yesterday, and that was like his second highest output of the season. Uh, so good for him. Eagles. Uh, <laughs> Eagles. Uh, my option is Tyler Higby. Um, look, and I know I just talked about Matt Stafford having a disappointing day against the uh, against the Vikings, but I do think they're going to bounce back offensively, and I think you know Higby is a nice uh, option in the passing game for them. I know we spend a lot of time talking about their wide receivers, but the matchup against the Ravens has been a pretty good one for tight ends all year long so um, you know if we don't see big targets for say Van Jefferson or Odell Beckham Jr. then it's probably because they're going to Tyler Higby so uh, again I know he's sort of been up and down this year but this feels like an opportunity to get Higby in uh, give him some run for the end of the season. Now over to defenses, and this was another one that I found was sort of tough because a lot of the good matchups uh, were defenses that are elite or already highly rostered, so uh, I felt like I had to dig a little bit deeper. I I don't know about you for this one. Yeah, no, I felt the same exact way, and this is another situation, Marcus, where uh, I I liked your pick even better than mine, but I wanted to (laughs) give, you know, people a second option just in case, so I think the Seattle Seahawks going up against the Detroit Lions, uh, it might be Tim Boyle again leading the way for Detroit. So that would certainly make it a more appealing option. And it's just, it's the Lions, man. So uh, they don't (laughs) score a lot of points outside of a Monroe St. Brown. There's no one that you're really afraid of for fantasy. So I think uh, you get, you get the Seahawks if you're getting a little bit deeper in need of a streaming defense. So I, I did look at the Seahawks. I thought about them uh, a little bit, but instead I pivoted and went to the uh, Chicago Bears. And, you know, they have sort of been getting after the quarterback a lot in the last few games. Uh, they've got the Giants coming up this week. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback, if it's going to be Jake Fromm, if it's going to be Mike Glennon. Either way. Uh, I'm not too scared of them. I mean, the fact that we are celebrating Evan Ingram getting four catches for 17 yards and a touchdown speaks uh, a lot to where the Giants offense is right now. Uh, Their pass catchers are a mess in general. Saquon Barkley has been a huge disappointment. So this feels like an opportunity for the Bears uh, to go out and make some havoc defensively and uh, could be a really good streaming option for anybody who is in the need this week. All right, let's take a pause for just the minute. Uh, But when we come back on the NFL Fantasy Football Show, it might be championship week, but that doesn't mean you can't still play the waiver wire. We got some free agent suggestions for you coming up after the break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Every week, Michael F. Florio puts together his list of waiver wire targets, which uh, continues to get harder as you get further into the season. But uh, he was up for the task again in week 17. So please, sir, uh, take us through your list. Yeah, quarterback uh, Tua Tungavailoa. I said uh, he was a streaming option I liked. Not a whole bunch of good quarterback streamers this week. Jeff Wilson Jr. with a great matchup against the Texans if Elijah Mitchell cannot suit up. With Miles uh, Sanders breaking his hand, Jordan Howard and Boston Scott now become streaming options against Washington. Rex Burkhead, who is coming off of a career day. Dare Ogumbawale, in case you're getting a little bit deeper and need a running back. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, just for 
deeper leagues because he's explosive and gets the New York Jets. Isaiah McKenzie is coming off of a huge game. I think he, uh, with a favorable matchup next week against the Falcons, is a wide receiver in play. Kadarius Toney was back and led the Giants in targets. Love to see that. Joshua Palmer, just because there's reports that Mike Williams is unvaccinated, and if that is the case, he will miss next week as well. Robbie Anderson, I know he's a deeper league play, but he continues to get volume, as does uh, Zay Jones, but purely a deep league there for him. Gerald Everett would be my top tight end target as he just consistently gets volume. And then Tyler Higby, you already spoke about him, Marcus, but he is a really strong option. And then Cole Komet and Ricky Seals-Jones just getting a little bit deeper if you're in need of a tight end. So there you have it, uh, the waiver wire options for the week. Uh, I mean, look, you guys know at this point it is kind of slim pickings out there, but there are always maybe a few hidden gems somewhere if uh, you were able to look hard enough and, and get the right matchup. But let's take a look at some of the guys that you mentioned on your list. Let's start with Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, we know Leonard Fournette is done for the rest of the regular season. We'll see what his availability may be for the playoffs, if playoff Lenny is going to be back this year. Um Ronald Jones got a lot of work, scored a touchdown on Sunday for the Buccaneers. But Keyshawn Vaughn sort of working in. Could he be a flex option maybe in deeper leagues this week for uh, for Tampa Bay? I, I think so. Like I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to start him, but again with COVID and injuries, um and if you're in a deeper format, you there's probably not a whole lot out there on the waiver wire. I think that is the perfect spot for him because he's explosive, like we said. Like Ronald Jones got the lead work, but Keyshawn Vaughn broke out a 55-yard touchdown. He played about a third of the snaps, and it is the Jets who allow by far the most fantasy points to running backs. So this is really just taking a shot on the Bucks, hoping they have a lead. And maybe if they get a lead, they're like, Ronald Jones, you could sit this one out. We're going to let Keyshawn Vaughn kind of take us home. Yeah, it was interesting to see him get as much work as he did because he sort of struggled uh, a couple weeks ago against the Saints after Fournette went out. I know he dropped a few passes, really struggled to kind of hit the holes. But then again, the Bucks' offense as a whole uh, didn't do much of anything. So maybe you just don't hold that against him. But he did look explosive. I mean, remember, it was, it was just a couple years ago we were talking about Keyshawn Vaughn as a sleeper, not sure what, what was going to happen in the Buccaneers' backfield. Then Leonard Fournette completely took it over. Um, and uh, Vaughn kind of became uh, an afterthought there in Tampa. Um, next up, Robbie Anderson. Now, should mention that there appears to be a COVID outbreak happening around the Carolina Panthers. On Monday, head coach Matt Rule said uh, they sent everybody home after a significant number of positive tests occurred. So at, at the time we're recording this show, we don't know who those players are, but it's something just to kind of keep in mind as the week progresses. But in the meantime, Robbie Anderson starting to see a few more targets the last few weeks. Uh, Sam Darnold is back. I don't know if that is good or bad for Robbie Anderson, but he is back in as part of the offense. So at least for the last week or two, are we back in on him? Not willingly. He is one <laughs> of those deeper options again. Like I, I, I don't love Robbie Anderson, but if I play in a deeper league or, you know, if my Waiver wire is just really thin, and I need a, a receiver or a flex. I think he that's where Robbie Anderson comes in because he's been averaging 10 targets per game over the last three weeks with at least eight targets in all three. Showing us a pretty safe floor of around nine fantasy points. Even has a 21 fantasy point game in there. So, uh, again, not ideally starting Robbie Anderson, but it all depends on the COVID outbreak as well there. But if he's playing and you're in need of a deeper option, I think that's his sweet spot. Man, I mean, we had such high expectations for him and then just just had to pull the shoot and sort of abandon him uh, mid-season. Now for him to sort of come creeping back. Interesting. 
Um, everything in Carolina offensively is sort of a mess at the moment. So that's that's my one caveat with uh, with Robbie Anderson right now. Uh, all right, so top target off the waiver wire in week 17. You somehow have priority. You miraculously have a few fab dollars left. Where are you going with them? It, for me, the top target is whoever helps your starting lineup the most. I know you're talking about a running back, Marcus. So if you're in need of a receiver, I think it's Isaiah McKenzie because he was targeted 12 times this past week. That was second most on the Bills behind only Stephon Diggs, and he played really well. He had 11 catches for 125 receiving yards, a bunch of really impressive catches, and he scored a touchdown. And the thing is, I know a lot of people are thinking this is a one-week thing. Gabriel Davis has already been ruled out for next week because he's unvaccinated and was added late in the week on COVID. So he is out week 16, I mean week 17. And then Cole Beasley has a shot to come back, but he's going to be kind of taking it down to the wire because he is unvaccinated as well. So I think at the very least, we see Isaiah McKenzie running in three wide receiver sets. I think he has uh, surpassed Emmanuel Sanders, who just clearly isn't healthy right now. Uh, and even if Beasley sits then, then I think he's a top two option in that Bills passing game again. Man, Josh Allen likes to spread the ball around. I mean, obviously, Stefan Diggs had a nice day uh, on Sunday, and he's going to get his targets, but they got to go other places with the football. We've seen Gabe Davis step up, now uh, McKenzie step up, so he could be a guy who uh, has another nice week for Buffalo. Uh, for me, you mentioned a running back. It's Jeff Wilson, and I'm, I'm surprised that he's still available. I, I would think that at this point, folks would have sort of jumped on the Jeff Wilson bandwagon. As long as Eli Mitchell isn't there, Jeff Wilson is going to be the guy. And I think we saw a lot of him this week. Before, I think some of the hesitation might have been, well, Debo Samuel is doing so, so great as a running back, and, and Debo's been very good there. But on Thursday against the Titans, Debo went back to being more of a pass catcher. Uh, it was Jeff Wilson doing a lot of the running work there and even catching some passes from Jimmy Garoppolo underneath. So as long as uh, Eli Mitchell is not available, and we'll see how that goes as the week uh, continues, um, Jeff Wilson should be on rosters. Jeff Wilson very well should be in lineups, at least as a flex option this week, because uh, like I always say, we always want part of a Kyle Shanahan running game. Uh, all right, if you want more of the waiver wire talk, you can go check out Michael F. Florio's article, NFL.com slash waiver wire. It is live now, so you can go and kind of skim through that and uh, figure out how you're going to make your waiver picks heading into week 17. One last game in week 16, which means one more opportunity for you to maybe get some few more fantasy points and uh, sneak into a fantasy championship situation. It is the Dolphins and the Saints. And uh, let's start on the Miami side. Duke Johnson had a big game last week for Miami, kind of surprising a lot of folks with uh, as much volume, as much production as he got. Miles Gaskin's still there, though, so I'm going to ask, uh, who do you think has the bigger week this week? Is it Gaskin or is it Duke Johnson again? I'm going with Miles Gaskin, but I say that with little confidence because <laughs> – Duke Johnson played so well last week, and I was thinking part of it was because Gaskin was on the COVID list. He didn't get any reps in at practice. They just decided to go with the guy that, that had been getting those reps, but he played so well that I think a committee or a, a split is definitely possible, but until we see a healthy Gaskin uh, get replaced by Duke Johnson, I'll still lean his way, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if we see like a 50-50 split or something like that. I, I don't expect Duke Johnson to go away completely because, as you mentioned, he was so good last week, but 
I am still going to go with Miles Gaskin and not just because I need like 11 points from him tonight uh, in order to win a matchup. But I, I think that he is still, until further notice, the lead running back. I think he gets more of the opportunities. Um, but it's going to be an interesting one-two punch for Miami because both those guys can do similar things. Um, I've always said of Duke Johnson, like in the past, he's a good running back who always played on teams with better running backs. He's a good receiver who always played on teams with slightly better receivers. But uh, maybe he's found a, a home in Miami. Look, he went to the U, so maybe uh, maybe it's good for him to be back in Miami again. Who knows? The U, there it is. Throw it up. Um, <laughs> Jalen Waddle, who has been pretty good all year long. Let's put a number at uh, 15 fantasy points. Are you going over or under that for uh, Jalen Waddle tonight? I'm going to go over for Waddle tonight. The, the strength of the Saints defense is clearly against the run. So if Gaskin, Duke Johnson, either one of them struggle to get going, I think we see a lot of passes. And Waddle is, you know, he he has some explosiveness, but they also give him a lot of short passes near the line of scrimmage, kind of almost as an extension of the run game a little bit. So I think he, he on catches alone, it puts him toward, in a safe bet to get over 15. I... I I'm happy that in the league I'm facing him and I have a big lead because I think he could have a really big game tonight. I'm going to go over as well. I do think a lot of the targets, a lot of the catches. I mean, this is a, a fairly concentrated passing game. I mean, Waddle's gotten a lot of look. Uh, I know Mike Gesicki has been sort of up and down a little bit. Devontae Parker has uh, seen a lot of opportunities since he's come back from injury. But Waddle is the lead guy in this aerial attack. And so I think, as you mentioned, with the Saints being so good against the run, um, that's going to make it hard on Gaskin and Johnson, which means Tulip will have to throw the football a little bit more, uh, and Waddle's going to get a whole lot of those opportunities. Uh, real fast, if I say 12 points for Devontae Parker, are you going higher or lower than that? I'm going to go just higher. He's been good for about 11 every healthy game he's played, so he just needs like one more catch to get over 12. All right, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go the over too because it's just more fun, uh, I think, rooting for the over. Than the under. Uh, last thing, the Saints right now a mess offensively. They are likely starting Ian Book at quarterback. Uh, their wide receivers really have not done much to speak of most of the year. It's been the Alvin Kamara show pretty much. So, uh, is there a Saint besides Alvin Kamara that you would consider starting tonight? I, I found a little bit of a loophole because there's not <laughs> one individual, but I'll start all 11 of them that play defense because uh, they just they shut down Tom Brady. They're one of the better defenses in the league. So Miami, I, I like a lot of their pieces, but I don't think they're uh, the toughest test in the league. So I, I was actually streaming the Saints in a couple of leagues myself this week. Besides that, nope. Yeah, I so say I will. I will grant you your loophole because yeah, that that is probably it. But there's there's nobody else. Um, I I can't trust any of the wide receivers. I'm not even sure who their uh, regular tight end is at this point. Um, I I will say this. I think in a daily lineup, I think I put in Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, mostly because his salary fit <laughs> the slot that I had left. Not that I have any real. Um, you know, expectations for little Jordan Humphrey, but Ian Book, uh, any of the pass catchers, uh, besides Kamara, that's kind of it because that's sort of the way uh, New Orleans has has gone so far this season uh, offensively. I mean, I don't know about you. It it seems bad when uh, reports come out that the Saints talked to Drew Brees and Philip Rivers about maybe coming to quarterback. I don't know. It seems like maybe they don't believe in Ian Book. That's just me, huh? Yeah, I. I... I read a scouting report that was like, not a great arm, but can run, uh, but he's a little undersized. And I, we were sp speaking about it yesterday. I was like, oh, this reads as if it's like a smaller Taysom Hill. Like, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? The only fun thing is I saw people calling tonight's game the Ian Book Fair. And uh, that, that kind of made me chuckle. 
I mean, you know, by the end of the night, we're going to get an Ian Book report. So we'll figure out, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll figure out a lot about Ian Book uh, when it's all said and done. All right. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, a grapefruit looks a lot more like an orange than a grape. Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.